Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone once again to the GNT NRL Show, where once again I am joined by my co-host with the most, a man who this week single-handedly formed a picket line out the front of his work and said, hell no, we won't go, and is now officially on strike from work, G. I thought I'd bring back the striking 80s, just like the 80s football. All fun and games. So, how are you going, T? I'm good. Uh, G, was there anyone else who joined you in this picket line, or was it just you? No, I think I was like one of those people that stands outside the site with the Jesus signs on the corner. Correct, correct. Now, people said hello. Do you think... That's excellent, G. Do you think um, do you think um, strikes are as effective when you're the only person doing it? No, no, I don't think so. I think things just have a habit of continuing continuing on. You're you're the lone wolf. So they didn't cave into your not no. reasonable demands. No, they didn't. Wasn't enough enough Twitter followers pressuring them to do it. Gee, there is there is another story that yes. You know what? You know some of our mates go. How do you? Um, how do you make this stuff up about G every week when I introduce you? And I go, I don't actually make it up. I just ask you to tell me about your week before we before we start the pod. Extrapolate it to a different narrative, but um, really, but, really, yes. you think it's a different narrative? Well, let, just let's just stay on that point then. Let's stay on that point. Speaking of different narratives, yes. Would you want to tell our listeners about uh, the lookalike competition that you entered during <laughs> yeah, the week? Of course. Well, yesterday I was actually at two chaps in Marrickville having lunch with a friend who actually listens to the pod, believe it or not. One of the uh, His waitress name's Adam, workers. Isn't it? His name's yes, Adam. Yeah, well, one of the waitresses came up. Adam, and said, Adam, I'm so sorry that you are mates with G. I, I feel your pain, brother. <laughs> so she actually came up to me and said, "Excuse me, could I ask you a question?" I said, "Yeah, sure. What, what, what's wrong?" And she said, "Are you Todd Payton?" No, I'm not. She goes, oh, my God, you look exactly like him. My friend thought you were you Todd do. Payton. I'm like, no. You do. Do you know how you look like Todd Payton? You know how yes. you've got real-life portraits done and then you've got impressionist paintings? <laughs> I'm the impressionist painting. You're the impressionist version of Todd yeah, Payton. Yeah, and also, just for those that are uh, listening, if you've got a spare Cowboys sort of flannelette checkered shirt like um, Todd Payton, send one my way. His size would fit me perfectly, so I should be good. I'll impersonate him. You're not telling the whole story because the, another reason she thought you were the North Queensland coach was you were in a coffee shop wearing chaps. <laughs> Correct. It was two chaps, so one for, one for each of yes, us. One for yes. Todd and one for me. That's right. But there were, no, there were no trousers underneath G. There were no jeans. No, no jeans. Just um, a fantastic pair of shorts. Shall we get yes. on to the world of the NRL? Absolutely. Two chaps, not a bad cafe, by the way, for those that are around Maryfield. Great. They don't pay us anything for that plug. so No, they so don't. Thank you. Well, no, I didn't even get you, paid G. anything for being Todd Payton. Gee, I have got somewhere in the vicinity of 22 stories to get through. Jeez, go, keep on going. Hurry okay. up. Go All right, on. let's go. We're going to spend the first nine and a half hours of this pod just Well, the good thing the is, Neighbours is finished and the NRL soapy started after season Correct. one. So let's start there yeah. then. Let's start yeah. there. Now... The NRL has an investment committee, and of course, the investment committee makes decisions about what to invest in for the future of the game. So one of the, they look at- Is it just me, or is this the first time you've heard of the investment committee? No, it's not the first time I've heard of the investment okay, committee. Okay, this is but, the first but, time I've but, actually heard of it, yeah. Right, right, because I actually follow footy. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> okay. so, so there's an investment committee that invests surplus assets and funds- 
for the betterment of the game. And they would, you'd, you know, you'd think they'd be looking at risk return profiles. They'd be looking at things like, should I invest in overseas share markets or bonds or mutual funds? Like all the local council investing, yeah. <laughs> yes. that's, you would think that's what an investment committee would do. And right at the top of the NRL's investment committee is spending $25 million to buy the Gambaros pub in Brisbane. Yes, I did read that. Yes, Claxton. Like, what the hell? <laughs> I read that story and I thought, okay, why? You could just see the Emperor Cutter deal. You could just see it. I reckon there's, yeah, he's probably um, met up with the team, cut a deal, and then he's built a throne in the throne. Correct. Yeah. I bet you didn't know that it was owned by Steve Volandis. <laughs> no. That would be too convenient for a conflict of interest. Just, yeah, I, I, I read that and I thought, I don't understand why. An NRL theme pub, it kind of is anyway. It already is. What else are they going to do to it? I don't, I don't know. What are they going to give them? NRL themed beer bottles to throw at the New South Wales I buses that's driving know. past? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. We're trying to keep this less partisan. Here's some NRL themed beer bottles to throw. <laughs> correct, correct. All right. I have got quite a bit of news about Parramatta. Do you want me to do it now or later? Yeah, do it now. Are, yes, like, they are pre- they are pretenders and motherfuckers. And proud. That's what they are. getting shopped around without knowing it. Yeah. Well, well, you know what? At the moment, uh, given the cost of lettuce, four kilos of lettuce we could swap Bar Arthur for. <laughs> four kilos and a couple of extra leaves. Yes. Let's yes. let's start with that cereal winner, yes. Mitch Moses. Yes. He's going to opt. It looks like he's going to opt in for FY24. Oh, for FY24. For 2024. You can tell. You can tell work's been busy. Yes, work's been busy. Yes, that's right. So, Mitch Moses to opt in in 2024. And it looks like the Eels are going to extend him to the end of 2027 off the wow, back of that. Okay. Yep. So, that's he'll be 33 at the end of that contract. And it looks like the contract will be a million dollars, rising to 1.2 million in his last year. What do you think of that deal? I've got, I've got a view on this deal. Oh, I think it's a gamble, and they obviously think that he's one of the elite halfbacks, and there are a dearth of halfbacks, right? So I sort of understand it. But to actually up his deal to $1.2 million, I mean, you're kind of banking on the fact that he's going to improve, and you're paying him big money as his career's starting to taper off. I don't know if that's a good idea. I, do, I don't think... Well, DCE's career hasn't tapered off. He signed a 10-year deal. That is true. So, but I think if you know he, he's a good halfback, and there's not many of them around, mate. And if you're gonna gamble, you have to still pay seven, eight hundred grand on a young person, hoping that they'll probably get as become as good as Mitch Moses. So, it's not a bad deal. I don't mind it, but it's um, it, it is risky too at the same time. And do you win with him? Good question. That's my question. That's my question. So I think it's not a bad deal in terms of the financials. The length of it, those types of things. Mechanically, I don't think it's a bad deal. But I think the Eels are going to have to blow it up before this contract ends. The, the window's closing on the Eels. Well, that is actually a, a different way of looking at it. I agree with you. And, and to... what do you do? What do you do at the end of this contract if you've blown it up and you're in the middle of a rebuild? You end up with a Mitch Pierce at the Knights who's on like, you know, you're, you're, you're going to end up with, actually, I'll tell you who you're going to end up with. You're going to end up with Luke Brooks. Actually, yeah, Luke Brooks or even a, yeah, that's right. That's pretty much it. A, a player who's getting paid star money in a team that probably isn't, you know, ready to contend. Now, I, I don't, I don't blame Mitch Moses. He's got to sign. He's got to do the best deal he can for himself. And just on that, he's had death threats for his to his family, and security are escorting him 
off the ground after the Warriors game. And... Yeah, that part I don't understand. And they went straight to his family, right? They didn't even come to him. So it just sounds so dodgy. We're not getting the full story on that one, right? There, there's got to be something more. But if there isn't, on the face of things, I mean, why would you make death threats to his family? Like, what's that got to do with Mitch himself, you know? But um, there's, there's I, something there's something. It doesn't seem on right on the about. face of things. I, th- I think I'm with you. I think that as well. Far out. Hopefully, whatever it is, they just get to sort it out and he's, his mind can be at ease and help take Parramatta to fifth spot in there. At the end of the season. <laughs> Sorry. Go. Unfortunately, I think that's true. Another 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 winner, Nathan Brown, who's now played yes. reserve grade and has had the biggest fall from grace. He was like undroppable. Remember in a long yeah. time. He was undroppable, um, now he's gone. He's changed agents and he's rumoured to be heading back to the Tigers. He is contracted to the Eels next year, but they've said he's free to go. Wow, okay. That I didn't know about, and that I find very interesting. He literally was undroppable at the start of the year. Now, all of a sudden, you're trying to fob him off to the Tigers. So, um, if, I don't even know why the Tigers would want him, to be honest. I guess maybe he's all heart, and he gives everything he's got. He sets a good example. But interesting move by Para. I think it's interesting that he's the one being dropped. I think there's other issues there. Yeah, there's, there might be another issue in the coach's box. I think so, yeah. But, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd fall from grace. Weird fall from grace. All right, well, let's keep going because there's more Parramatta news. Yes. And now Brad Arthur's uh, manager has started shopping him around to other Apparently clubs so, without yes. the knowledge of Brad Arthur or the Parramatta Football Club and with two years left on his contract. Yeah. Now, my view on this is the sooner Brad Arthur can go, the better. Not because Brad Arthur's a bad coach. I don't think Brad Arthur's a bad coach by any stretch of the imagination. But after 10 years with a playing group, sometimes they they need to hear a different voice. I think Parramatta have peaked. I think last year was their peak. Remember, it's like Ricky's team in 2019. They peaked at the grand final, and then it was a slow and gradual decline from there. It's a good way to look at it, yeah. And I just yeah. think, I just think, you know, the, the cattle's still there. They're probably one really class player short. Like, and I, and I hate to use a football analogy, but you know, I feel like we need a Jurgen Klopp there. Like, if Jurgen, if we had the rugby league equivalent of Jurgen Klopp that comes in, rock and roll football, instills some confidence, gets one more star player there, it might be enough to push it to give us the last push we need. But Brad Arthur doing the same things with the same players. I just feel like it's peaked. I don't, you know, um, I, I think you're on something there. I think um, this year, Parra's been, they always have the Parra games, as you say, where they switch off. But this year, I've noticed there are a lot. They can only switch on, if you've noticed, for the really big games where they're playing the Roosters or the Penrith or the Storm or whoever. The rest of it, they're, they're, it just sounds like Brad Arthur's message, I agree, is starting to fall flat. He's still got them up enough and they've got enough talent to win most a lot of games because a lot of the teams aren't that great. But um, in terms of pushing them up another level, I th- I don't I'm, I don't think he can do that anymore. And they've changed personnel. The same message is there. They've had changes. You know, the, the other than Penrith, the comp is a little bit weaker this year. It's a little bit more even under that you know second to seventh position because the Storms had injuries and things like that. And you would have thought Parra would be able to take that up and sort of rise out of that bunch to make maybe make the grand final. But I can't see that happening. And Oh, I think I think you're right. I think they need a new voice, or Brad Arthur has to somehow reinvent himself in the next few weeks, which I can't see happening. Oh uh, yeah, he definitely can't reinvent himself because um, he's only got one way to play. He's a little bit like Madge Maguire. He's only got one way to do it, right? And I think that's the issue. That's the issue, right? All right, let's keep going. Quite a bit of coaching news this week as well. Let's start with 
the great homecoming. A man who, like you, applied for a position that didn't exist. Yes. Said, you really need a football director. This will fix all your problems. And I am the Messiah to deliver this. Came down here, like you, then white anted his coach, got him sacked, got him sacked the coach, then ran out of town. The one guy that they really wanted to... No, he's not the reason. He's too young. He's not ready for the role. He can't do it. And then reluctantly said, you know what? Reluctantly, I shall coach the team at 72 years old because Skeletor up at Redcliffe can do it till he's 130. And I too am as good as Skeletor. I am, of course, talking about Tim Sheen. Tim Sheen. But he said, no, no, it gets better because he says, I will give you a succession plan. I am going to hand it over to a man who hasn't coached Anywhere, anything, at any time. I <laughs> know oh, Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah. Like, like, what the fuck? That just absolutely, that absolutely smelt of shit. Cameron Serraldo's not coming. We fucked up. Tim, we need you to bloody do it. What are you doing? Okay, I'll go. I'll take charge. What are we gonna do next? Oh, I'm still friends with Benji Marshall and Robbie Farah. Let's just. I don't know, mentor them into the position. The thing, the good thing is Benji will take over and then Robbie Farrell will probably white ant Benji Marshall after. No, no, he's not gonna be a coach. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna take off he's gonna take a head office role. Yeah, but then he'll probably white ant him and then take over as a coach two years later after he's got rid of Benji Marshall. This is this is not a club. I mean, what is going on? Like seriously. <laughs> that that was shit. What's our plan X? We haven't thought of anything. <laughs> My God, I, like, awesome. I feel sorry for the Tigers fans, right? That, that they're waiting for. Let's sack Madge. Let's sack Madge, and this is the plan they came up with. I mean, oh my God, Shit, Tim, what do we do? Oh my God, can you do it for a oh year? Because you're about 120. Yeah, Tim Benji has to take over. Okay, who's never expressed any interest in coaching up until he was announced as a succession plan? What about Benji's defense of getting appointed? Where he goes, well, the last couple of years of my career, I didn't play much, so I felt like a coach anyway. <laughs> Oh, really, Benji? Really? So you did all the recruitment, you managed the salary cap, you set all the trading plans. Move on. Oh, God. What the hell is going on? What you... <laughs> so, I don't anyway, think they know. Awesome. Know Go either. Tigers. All right. all right. Now, this rumour's been around for a couple of weeks. It does look like Cam Sheraldo is signed, sealed and delivered for the Bulldogs from the end of this yes, year. Yes, it sounds like it, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a five-year deal. Is what I've heard. Well, he won't go for anything less. Everyone else was offering four or five years, so... And it looks like he's bringing Stephen Crichton with him. Yeah, that I didn't know about. Maybe Stephen Crichton loves Chinese food as well, and... Um... Well, you've got rid of Matt Dufty. He's going to Warrington. So with the two twenty seven dollars you've saved off the salary cap... We can pay Stephen Crichton $1.2 million, of course. Correct, correct, correct. Don't you just love these exponential um, financial curves? They're fantastic. <laughs> This $27 has turned into $1.2 million. Oh, my God. We've lost Matt Dufty. We've lost Paul Vaughan. So that gives us $7 million This, this is Phil Gould at the Roosters all over again. I'm loving it. Phil, whatever whatever knowledge you brought, it's it's ultra successful. We're turning into the um, Canterbury-Bankstown Panthers. You are absolutely. Because your last two coaches are all the Panthers and you recruited Brenton Aiden and like, like... Yeah, we basically are. Stephen Crichton, kick out... Hey, so here's my worry with this. Here's my worry with this. Are we sure Gus Gus is the genius we all think he is? Are we sure about that? 
my my concern is how much influence does he have in the background or on the coach himself, right? Well, well, if Trent Barrett is to be believed, he's just if he's not happy, he'll just take the reins and coach it himself. But he's bet big on Cam Sorrell. That's a five year deal. If he's look by all reports, he's the one that's brought up all the juniors and things like that for a number of years. It hasn't just been the last couple, but a five year. Like we're a, we're a club where if this guy's the wrong coach, we're in a lot of trouble because a five year deal are. is a long time, and very long time. If it's not on an upward trajectory, we're fucked up again, and then you're talking 10, 11 years without ever making a semis return from one of the most successful clubs over the last thirty years to actually the Tigers and one of the worst run clubs in the league. Um, so we're kind of on the precipice now. Is it going to be an upswing, or we're just going to continue to spiral um, or stay where we are? I should say. We've already gone downwards. Well, it does look like Tim Sheens and Gus had lunch as well. Of course they did, yes. At Dynasty? Yeah, of course they did. The rumour out of the lunch is, and this is where the Tigers are a basket case. Yeah. Adam Dwayne is clearly the way of the future at 5'8". Well, it has to Hastings be. has been really good. And he plays like a halfback, irrespective of whether he's got the number 13 on his back or not. And Luke Brooks is really a square peg in a round hole. There's too much water under the bridge. So naturally... Correct. It looks like they're shopping Jackson Hastings to the dogs. Weird. Weird. It's weird from the Tigers. And, and, and if we actually are fair income about it, I wanted to ask you, what is the actual salary cap at the Bulldogs? Is it $40 million a year? What is the actual salary cap? You lost Matt Dufty, who was, who, who was on three hundred grand a year. Yeah, three or 400 I think. And you're going to sign Stephen Crichton and Jackson Hastings with that money. Correct, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> you know... It's Stephen Crichton and Jackson Hastings, both on $100,000 plus incentives plus free dumplings for two years. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? I reckon Gus was pretty generous and he would have probably thrown in some spring rolls as well. Some <laughs> some, some honey chicken or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's a weird signing. I don't think Jackson weird Hastings... Signing. Well, he hasn't gone there yet. That's the rumour. That's the rumour that... They're going to try and keep Luke Brooks and Adam Dwayne as the halves uh, and shop Jackson Hastings to the Yeah, dogs. and look, maybe Tim Sheens wants to play a certain style of football. He's always played a fairly attacking brand of football. It's a good pickup for the, the Bulldogs next year. I mean, the rumour ha- rumor has it the, the Bulldogs' backline next year will look like um, DCE, Cam Munster, <laughs> Kalen Ponger at the back. <laughs> it's going that way. Selwood Cobbo on the wing, yeah. Josh had a car because now he's out. He, he's a has-been now, so, you know, now it is. Wow. All right. Well, let's keep moving because we've still yes. got a heap of news to Go. get through. Let's stay, on the, let's stay on the coaching front. Yep. Um, Skeletor has announced his succession plan, or it's rumoured to be announced, and that is that Christian Wolfe will take over from Wayne Bennett as the Redcliffe coach in 2025 and will take up an assisting coach's role in 23 and 24 on Wayne Bennett's back stuff. Backroom stuff. Look, fair enough. I mean, it's glad they're getting him in and working. But, geez, Wayne Bennett, what a career. He's still coaching. Hopefully, Skeletor, you know, He-Man doesn't get him before 2025. So. Nah, he's got it, mate. He'll get Castle of Grayskull. He'll end up He'll end up the Tigers coach at 75. That's probably what they're going to build the stand like at Redcliffe, Castle of Grayskull. Um, they'll be sitting up there watching. Instead of the um, corporate boxes, they'll be up there watching from the castle. Or his crystal ball. Look, I think it's a good idea. If they've already identified him, Christian Wolf can come in and sort of adjust to the league. It's a good idea to do that for a year or two before he takes the reins. I like that. I okay. like that idea. An- another coach under pressure, Anthony Griffin. They had a board meeting where it wasn't discussed, but the, but there is there is a bit of 
noise there that um, Dean Young's going to take over the defensive coach at the at the Cowboys. It wouldn't surprise me. It just sounds like he's on the nose, right? So, I mean, well, no matter what you think of the Griff, I don't think he's a great coach, but his results aren't too terrible, right? Like from a win percentage-wise. But they knew that. And to be honest, he's he's given them what you'd expect. And they're on the fringe of the eight. They haven't been too bad, but they haven't been too good. They're kind of mediocre Saints with flashes of good play. I mean, what else did they expect? Their roster's not a top three roster or anything. You know what I mean? They're, come, you know, equal seventh or eighth. Isn't that a decent job? Isn't that kind of meeting their expectations? So, but I, he always seems to be under pressure no matter what. One he or was two a funny. Bosses. He was a funny. He was a funny coach to extend. Remember, they extended him before the season started. And then halfway through it, the Saints aren't doing too bad, and they're like, "Oh, we need to get rid of these guys." So, mate, can't figure it out. Maybe not getting along, and there's some back backroom stuff that we're not aware of. But um, yeah, it seems to be something happening there because he's the pressure seems to be unrelated to I would say their performance this year, Saints. They're not brilliant, but they're not terrible either. No, but there is a lot of noise coming out, and they do end these seasons terribly. And, and you know, they've, they've got other news as well. George Burgess has been admitted into rehab, not related to his um, charges by all accounts, but uh, there's, there's obviously some demons and some issues going on with George Burgess as well. Yeah, but hopefully he gets to sort that out, whatever they are. So good luck to him. And and Saints, Saints also announced this week their uh, team of the century. Did you have a look at that? I didn't. I knew. I saw the signing, but I mean, I mean, you can almost guess who it's going to be, can't you? Why don't you guess? Who well, are the Graham, La- Graham Langlands, Reg Gasney. Yeah, the Immortals have got to be there. The Immortals have got you to know, be there. You know, right? Reg Gasney. Yeah, Graham Langlands, um, Norm Proven, Johnny Raper. You know, I'd imagine Ian Walsh. Is it Ian Walsh would be there? Um, Craig Young would probably be there as well. Craig Young was there. Yep. You know, uh, was the other one Mark Coyne, the other centre? No, oh, that's the one that I want to talk about. Who was it? Who was it, G? Who was it? Oh, God, I'm trying to... I know that this name is going to escape me. It wasn't Mark Michael Gazzania. O'Connor, was it? Oh, Mark Gaznia. Gaz was good in attack and stuff, but he's not the first player that would have come to mind in terms of he's in the team of the century. Isn't that funny? I would have thought Mark Coyne was... Yeah, Mark Coyne and Michael O'Connor were half, but but they had Reg Gaznia and Mark Gaznia in the centres. Brian Clay was 5'8", Billy Smith halfback, Johnny King and Eddie Lumsden were the wingers. Yeah. Graham Langlands was the fullback. Uh, Johnny Raper, Locke. Second roles were Norm Proven and Rod Reddy. Rod, oh, wow, Rod Reddy. I thought Rod Reddy might have been the hooker, but that's when he played for Illawarra more so. so. Yeah. So front roles were Billy Wilson and Craig Young, and the hooker was Ken Ken Carney. Ian Walsh on the bench with Neville Smith, Doug McRitchie, and Harry and Barth. Harry was Barth. The so great. it's pretty much their dominant 60s and 60s team. Yeah. 70s, and then a couple of guys like Mark Gasney that are more recent, really. Craig Young, so... Yeah. yeah, I am surprised Mark Gasney's there. I, I would have thought Mark Coyne would have given him a run because I think Mark Gasney got all the plaudits, but he was a very one-sided player for a long well, time. Well, can Defensively, I, can I he was say horrible. not just Mark Coyne. Michael O'Connor, I think, was unlucky to miss out as well. Yeah, probably talent-wise, O'Connor, but wasn't there long enough, probably because he went to Manly. I think yeah, that would yeah, have, um, you know, he was only there for three or four years, but he was a really good player. He was. All right, let's keep going then, G. Um, some we got... I think I've got another 10 pieces of news. Genius, okay. Yep. Staying on the West Tigers theme, Isaiah Papali reportedly is getting nervous about joining the Tigers. I'd, I'd be more nervous about staying at Para, but whatever. I guess so. Maybe he just looks at the way they're going and haven't improved and thinks, shit, I'm going from a team that's playing in the eight every year to all of a sudden hoping to win half their games or not even, you know. So it's a bit of shock to the system, I think. 
the other the other piece of news um, is Cody Nicarima is confirmed as the halfback for, for Redcliffe. the Redcliffe Dolphins. Yeah, he managed to get an extra year out of them because the Knights wanted to keep them, and the Knights have turned their attention to getting Luke Brooks now. If I'm assuming Jackson Hastings doesn't go to the Bulldogs, um, oh, look, who knows what's going to happen with the Luke Brooks thing? I think he'll stay at the Tigers because it's not a big money, but I think Tim Sheen's would unleash Luke Brooks a little bit because I think we will play a different style of footy. Um, I think Nicarima is a good signing for Redcliffe and Milford is going up to Redcliffe as well, right? So um, they've kind of at least got some of their halves sorted out and some of their utility players. Yeah, they got really cons- they got a lot of consistency in the halves between Milford and Nicarima. They'll show up, they'll show up every week. <laughs> and well, you're going to get some magic, that's for sure. But um, at least the good thing is Wayne Bennett is the person that's probably got the best out of those two players. So it suits their game a bit more than some of the other coaches. Do you know who hasn't got the best out of their players? Who? Super Jimmy Dimmick. He's left the Titans. Yes, yes. I know. Now, I was now, upset you were in about morning. that. Our listeners, our listeners was... don't know that you, 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 you lit a candle and sat out the front of your house as a vigil to Jim Dimmick, yeah? I did. I lit the candle. There was, um, you know, tea shed, venting, ra- venting rage. I don't know what went wrong there. Something... I do, I do. I know exactly what went wrong. Jimmy Dimmick is a superb attack coach. Here's Correct. what went wrong. They hired him as a defence coach. You know what's funny? I don't think it was always they were co-coaching. I would never have picked him as a defence coach. He's He styled that Bulldogs attack at the back end of 11 and 12 that used Barber and um, Josh Morris and got all these players that weren't that great playing unbelievable footy and the forwards passing the ball. That was all Jim Dimmick's sort of style of play. And the thing is, why would you get him to coach a defence? I don't think he has a history of being a defensive coach. Surely, and to be surely honest, Justin Holbrook's under pressure. Surely he's He under has pressure. to be. And to be honest, watching the Titans, I think um, the proof in the pudding that Jim definitely was not an offensive co- uh, defensive coach. Yeah, he didn't do a great job with the defence, let's be honest. But I do wonder, T, if he started as the attack coach, because if you notice, the, like we talk about this style of football has changed significantly. So maybe he's had less in, input into the offensive side as a couple of years have gone past and he's oh my god you could only you only you could find a way to defend a man who's done an an obviously terrible job in defensive in the defense side of course he's been horrible it's been a nightmare oh but how you have to go they've already got rid of the fitness coach they've now got rid of jimmy dimmick gee this is a club this yeah justin holbrook must go must go. I don't. I don't see any way back around it. And their whole attack has been just give it to Dave Fafita and let him hulk over everyone. And that's what I mean. Like I think I honestly because I've seen him coach before. I think he had impact the first year he was there with Holbrook. And as they've gone along, I think he's moved more to the defensive side to the detriment of Super Jimmy and Titans defense because it's been terrible. It's and their attack's been terrible too. All right. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm sad. So. So, Billy Smith suffered his third ACL injury. I know, I read that. That was very sad to hear. And, I mean, far out. How unlucky can you be? Mate, how do you come back from that? I mean, not that he's been playing well. He's been playing terribly, but but still. See, he's one of these guys that probably was a Boyd Corden type of footy player because they never picked him up as having outright speed or sheer power, but probably got the best of his ability. But his athleticism was taken away from his already two ACLs. So he's still okay, but obviously not the same that he would have been as he would have been before. Now with a third, I mean, physically he might come back okay, but mentally, how do you do that again? 
That reminds me of Chase Stanley. Yeah. Chase Stanley was actually one of just a magic player, but he broke. He was like Mr. Glass. Everything went wrong. His body wasn't made for it. No. No. So get well, Billy. We wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. Um, just, just I've only got a few more pieces of news left. Thank God. PNG and yes. Pacifica has emerged as the front runners to be the 18th team. This is off okay. the back of our new Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, visiting Fiji. Gee, you just had a workman walk past you. I did, yes. And he also wasn't wearing pants, so I don't want to know <laughs> what's going on in there at the moment. <laughs> yes. All right? He's also a Jim Dimmick fan, is he? He is, so, absolutely. Okay, okay, wow. <laughs> just when you think these podcasts can't get any weirder. All right. <laughs> this is off the back of an Albanese visit to Fiji. You are one strange unit, G. After another Alvo visit to Fiji, where he actually, as a rugby league fan, just keeps walking past. Yes. Can you ask him to put some pants on? Okay, please? I will. Yep. It's like your cat instinct. All right. Uh, after the Alvo visit to Fiji, where he's... Bombers crack, yep. Well, well, well it, uh, the whole it's a whole full moon out there, G. So Albo's visit to Fiji, where he said they should have an NRL team. And so now it looks like, because of that political posturing that the Pacifica team has emerged as the number one candidate for the 18th team. It would it would involve PNG as well, and PNG would be the lead team of the Pacifica team. So there'd be more games in Port Moresby than the other spots. How can I say this? Like, this changes every couple of weeks, couple of months. Um, but if you look at it from a consolidation perspective of the game in the region, that is probably a good move. I agree. I agree. I think the NRL is going to end up. The NRL is going to end up being a twenty-team comp at some point. I think so, and I think that that makes sense because PNG are fanatical about the game. Um, it gives them regular footy in a team they go for. Um, I don't yeah. know how that would work with the Pacifica as well, but it also then makes gives the people in the Pacific but Islands what I worry about. skin in here's the game, what I worry right? About. But is it really an ownership for those islands and for PNG? They're separate Have countries. Have you seen a map? Have you seen a map? PNG is not that close to Fiji. No, it's not. That's what I mean. You've got different islands, different countries, different cultures. Yes, it's the Pacific, but they are different, right? So I wonder if that would work. It feels like a merged entity where no one really owns it, right? Well, and I feel like somehow the North Sydney Bears are going to get in there too. <laughs> the the, um, the Samoan Sydney, Bears. PNG, the Samoan Bears, Pacifica yeah. Bears. The Fijian Bears. No one's ever seen a bear in Fiji, but it'll be the Fijian Bears. Bloody hell. All right, last last couple of pieces of news. Um, actually, I've got five more to go. Yeah. All right, let's get it to Jesus, the man, hurry up. What is this? I know, I know. So um, Matt Burton. Yes. Looks like the ARU is going to be targeting him for the Home World Cup 2027. His game would suit Rugby Union. I was going to say, I think his game would suit Rugby Union. And they did this last time in 2003 when the World Cup was on with in Australia with Matt Rogers, Wendell Saylor, they did target the rugby league players and it looks like they're doing the same thing. So the biggest threat to the Bulldogs re-signing him, given it's not the salary cap, as we've just discussed, <laughs> is, the, is, is the ARU, it looks like. Do you know what? I think he'd consider that because I think give him a couple of years, he might tell them, look, I want to make a decision in 2025, 26. Dude, 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 they can't, they can't compete. Rugby league can't compete with a home World Cup in rugby union. It's not an international game, right? It's something that's so unique. And I reckon if he sort of, you know, they negotiate saying, look, I have to be in the Wallabies team or whatever else. And no matter what they say, they have to earn their spot. That's all bullshit, right? If you're going to pay that money, they're picking him. Yeah, of course they are. If he's sort of, he's already won a grand final, mate, you know? He's played now for New South Wales, plays for Australia and stuff. Like, 
from a league perspective, there's not that much more to experience. That's you know right. what I mean? So right. it's it is. I think it is a bit of a threat, but I think he'd wait a couple of years before making that decision. Yeah, fair enough. And 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 speaking of World Cup, what did you think of Victor Radley nominating for England? I love it. I actually like Mal Meninga's comments. I think Meninga's comments about let these guys play for Queensland if they want to play for England or you know New South Wales. Isn't there an element of racism here when when Brian To'o or these players, these Islander boys say, I want to play for Tonga or Samoa. People in the press come out and, and go, oh, they don't have passion for New South Wales, etc., etc. Victor Radley does this, not a Bo Peep out of those people. I actually think there is probably an element of that. I think it was received a lot, with a lot more understanding for Victor Radley. And Victor Radley is a really good player and would be a New South Wales player, right? So, Well, he would have, he would, if he was injury-free, he would have been picked this year and he would have been picked for the Kangaroos too. Yeah, and I actually I agree with you. I think there's a bit of an element of that. It's probably um, subconscious, but um, I think for sure the reception was very different because it didn't trigger a massive, you know, oh, what is State of Origin about and international football and, you know, all these discussions, whereas those other kids, when they've done that, it does. But Meningo summed it up. He said, mate, if Brian Toe wants to play, fine. I think it's great. Person New South Wales wants to play for Samoa. Fantastic. So I, I right. agree with Big Mal there for sure. I think it's great. All right. Big big. I, I think the headline says Big Mal agrees with G. Yeah, I think so. Big Mal yeah, agrees right. with um with Todd Payton. Yeah, Todd Payton lookalike. <laughs> yes. Impressionist version of Impressionist Todd Payton. Impressionist Todd Payton. Yeah. All right. Last few pieces of news then, G. Yep. Yes. Um, so. And and these are, I've left these for last because these are my three favourites. Okay, so you'll you'll appreciate these ones. We we discussed how Chairman Volandis would be the chairman of the selection. Oh, I knew you were going to bring this one up. Yes. So Chairman Volandis, yes, had Brad Fittler and Billy Slater resign from that correct committee. Yes. So at one point, at one point, yeah. I'm thinking it's just Big Mal and Peter Volandis picking the side. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty much it. It didn't say much in the story that I read other than they didn't feel like they wanted to do it, but I think there's a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> that's all I want to say. I was like, if Balmeninga resides, it's just PVL yeah. selecting the team. Brilliant. I love it. It's awesome. Go PVL. What a guy. Now, now, now clearly there's rumours that Darren Lockyer and Laurie Daly will be reappointed. Onto the panel, um, but I just yeah, just brilliant. Just PVL chairman of selectors picking the side, brilliant. All right, so the last two pieces of news. I'm going to save my favourite one for the end. Um, now, Phil Gould suggested that yep. um, all the teams next year should take their home games against the Warriors to New Zealand, so the New Zealand Warriors don't have to travel at all next year. Um, okay. So the New Zealand Herald picked up on this idea and asked all 16 clubs if they would consider bringing home games to New Zealand in 2023. Six teams said okay. Souths, Sharks, Storm, Tigers, Dragons, Titans. Four teams said outright no because they've got existing contractual arrangements. You know, you know, the Eels have got yep. Darwin and all the rest of it. Yeah, so yeah. They were the Eels, the Roosters, Cowboys and Dolphins. Okay, yep. And five failed to respond. <laughs> the Broncos, the Knights, the Manly... Panthers, Raiders, and this was the interesting one. The Bulldogs didn't uh, respond. It didn't feel good. Now, it was this. their idea. It was their idea, and then they didn't respond. Um, oh, mate, I've got nothing. Seriously, seriously. 
When you said Phil Gould suggested I'm like, hang on, where's the Bulldogs here? I'm like, how did they not respond? They didn't respond. Rug, <laughs> rugby league. Rugby league. Phil Gould, not rugby league. Fucking hell. Jesus, go. I what do I do, by the way, Phil? Genius. Oh, I, I don't sure. know. I don't Other know. than rotting the salary cap and just pinching everything from the Panthers, is there really more to it? Is there <laughs> more to this? Know. I don't know. No. He even approached right. Brad Fittler from the Panthers when he was at the Roosters. So it's been a long, long-term strategy. All right. Last piece of news before we move on to yeah. 10 games to cover this week. The NRL has come out. PVL has come out and said he's considering rule changes to allow teams to play out a set after time has run out. This was after the Ben Hunt controversy when he stood next to against the Raiders. Just blow like, a penalty. That's, that's how about How about penalty. instead of implementing a rule to fix a rule that you already implemented, how about you just enforce the original rules just, in the first place? Yeah, no, mate, that's all. I've got nothing to say other than blow the whistle. That's it. Like, really? Mate, we're introducing a rule. How about you just blow the penalty? <laughs> the rule's already there. Bloody hell, mate. I love Peter. He, you know what? He's, he's, he's great for entertainment. Gee, I he's need awesome. to ask you. Yeah. Some of these harebrained ideas sound <laughs> like some of your ideas. Have you been emailing PVL directly? Yes, I have. I'm the anonymous emailer. In the Our listeners don't know that you once got hold of the Football Federation Chairman's email. Ben Buckley, and yes, And emailed correct. him six-page email about your thoughts on the, at, at that point, the vacant coaching position. Yeah, Jose which, Pickerman. Which, and which he responded to. Yeah, I think it was awesome. Mind you, the email was very good. This is, why, this is, this is why Ben Buckley didn't last long at the Football Federation. Well, the good thing is, if it was Peter Valandis, at least Jose Pickerman would have been the Socceroos coach. No, absolutely not. It was the ravings of a lunatic. All right. was, yeah, go continue on. Jeez. Hi, Ben, by the way. Yeah, move on. Ben, if you're listening, uh, he brought you down from within. You really didn't need to listen to him. All right, we've got 10 games. We've got to cover the last game in round 17. We've got the third State of Origin game, and then we've got all the games in round 18 and the preview of round 19. Yep. So let's start with the last game of round 17. And the reason we didn't do this one last time was because we were doing the pod in the middle of it. It was the Broncos got up 32-18 to 18 against the Dragons. Um, this was the game where Tarek Sims went to the sin bin twice for two brain explosions. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, he's just a loose unit, right? I mean, Big Tarek Sims, yeah, but he's Melbourne's leaving. Melbourne's going to have to get him into shape. They will. They will. I think Melbourne, they will. Melbourne's going to have to get him into shape. Melbourne's got their own problems, right? They've lost three in a row now. Um, it was 16-12 at halftime. Other than those Tarek Sims um, sin binnings, actually the Saints were the better team in the second half, in the first half. But... You know, but but those sin binnings really let the Broncos back in the game. And with Adam Reynolds there, they just get around the park so much better than they did last year, the Broncos, and they're bitter. Um, and then in the second half, they just ran over the top of the Dragons, right? And it was six yeah. twice to three in the end. And in the end, I think the Broncos just about deserved it. But that first half, I did think there was promise there for the Dragons. They just, the problem for me for the Dragons is, if you look at all the statistics, it was a lot more of an even game than the scoreline suggests. They but struggled to score. Well, well, it's just they just can't string an eighty-minute performance together. No, they they have flashes, and maybe that's why Griffin's job was under threat, and then they got thrashed by the Roosters. But uh, I think same thing. I think um, they have flashes of of good footy. Um, they still have a team that's sort of coming together. To be honest, they've got a lot of different players this year, um, and like you, I thought they had a really good first half, but Tarek Sims kind of 
you know, they they sort of withstood or tried to withstand his first sim inning, but then both times the Broncos took advantage of the extra man and scored. But I think they ran out of buff. And like you say, the Broncos are fitter, and the way they come at teams, they play with a higher tempo this year, and Adam Reynolds is there dictating things in the background. Jeez, Adam Reynolds has been playing well. Yeah, it's all humming now. Like, they've played with him long enough, and he's... He's directing the team quite well. And I think Ezra Mam's actually made them better and more dangerous in attack. Well, he's almost like the Cody Walker role, right? Yeah, and yeah. he's not bad defensively, Ezra Mam. He has a go, and he reads the game relatively okay. He's stocky. He's got a he's low centre of gravity, right, Ezra Mam? Like, so, so, and, he, and he has a go in defence, as you say. And so. he's quick, and he's got good skill. Let me ask you a question, and we're going to talk about State of Origin 3. Yeah. Yep. Is Aaron Reynolds the best halfback in New South Wales? Oh, oh, I think it's close. I think Nathan Cleary is better, but he also is playing in a team that's just been dominant. Well, I think Nathan Cleary is better when his forwards are going forward. I right. think off the back foot, I think Adam Reynolds is probably... The, he can His kicking game's better. He's kind of been discarded, but we're going to talk a little bit about State of Origin 3. He would have got them around the park a bit better, right, in that second half for New South Wales. I think so, because I think Adam Reynolds too, I think he's learned, he's played under different coaches, and I think he can kind of adjust styles midway through the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a, he's like a coach on the field. Yeah, I actually think, because he played under a very regimented coach, and he was the junior player under match, and then I think Wayne Bennett gives his players a bit more freedom to play footy. So he's gotten both, and I think um, that would have helped. So I think sometimes you can adjust things on the field, and you start the Broncos will all of a sudden play with greater depth. And I don't think that's all the coach. I think Adam Reynolds helps that a lot. But good win from the Broncos, they're, mate. They're still playing pretty well. Yeah, good win, good win. Oh well, they're, they're going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the year. They are. They have really turned it around much more than I thought they were going to. Be. Yeah, I thought they were going to be massive. the best of the teams that have recruited. Massive changes. And they have been. And they Massive. Have been. They've been really All right. Good. Let's, we'll, we'll probably spend a bit of time on the next game, which is game three of Origin. It was the decider up in Queensland. Queensland got up 22 to 12. Now, I've got a lot of views on this. I watched this with action at the Northbridge Golf Club. Yep. Which you were invited to, but um, you were go. doing your, well, you were doing your vigil for Jimmy, right? Of course. So, that's right. Yeah. Queensland were dominant early in the first 15 minutes. It was a brutal start. Three HIAs in the first five minutes. Cam yeah. Murray, Cobbo and Lindsay Collins all ruled out in the first five minutes. The first five minutes took 27 minutes to play. Like, it took forever. It was brutal at the beginning. Brutal. And then once the game settled down, Val Holmes opened the scoring. Yeah. Um, now, it was on the New South Wales right edge and Tupu missed the tackle on his inside shoulder. He yep. wasn't helped because Crichton had run out of the line. Steve Crichton was terrible in origin this year. But, but so that this third game, so was Daniel Tupu. It's not great. He missed the tackle. But after Val Holmes scored, New South Wales then dominated the rest of the half. They were really good. Luai got a try off that little yep. kick from Nathan Cleary, and Siafidi went through yes. the middle to, to, to give them the lead. They were up they were up 12-6 at this point. But then, again, another brain explosion by Daniel Tupu down the, down the right edge. It was last tackle for Queensland with a minute to go. He didn't drop back. You know how the wingers drop back on the last tackle? So yep. he lost the tackle count, and then he was scrambling as the ball came over his head. It looked like it was going to go out. It was either going to bounce into touch or go out on the full, and he and he bobbled it over the line, which gave Queensland a set right before halftime, and they capitalised the score, and that was the turning point, right? I think it was um, a turning point. It made it 12-10 at halftime, but it switched all the momentum was behind Queensland at that point. 
Yeah. In the second half, it was all Queensland. New South Wales was scoreless and made too many errors. CSIA Talakai and Stephen Crichton being the most guilty, they made a lot of errors and their errors were costly. Um, but also, Nathan Cleary's kicking game was very poor. It was like Origin 1, including the last kick at the death when they were only down 16-12 with two minutes to go. So there was still time on the clock. Yeah. Um, and they were on the front foot. It was the first time in a long time they had decent field position. And he tried to a chip to himself that really wasn't on and Ben Hunt caught it and ran down. Well, the there was no the space for the chip anyway. I I think... No, um, there wasn't. That, but he need, that was... You know what? He bombs when he should have chipped and he chipped when he should have bombed. You know what I mean? Like he just made wrong decisions. Yep. And then his kicks were five yards too short all night. Anyway, it was emblematic of the night. Queensland scored and they won. The games New South Wales lost were the games they couldn't score. Yeah, absolutely. They couldn't get the roll yeah. off. And when they when they got a roll on, they killed them over in Perth. But um, Queensland won. Billy Slater got it over Brad Fittler. I think they made some mistakes in the sides they picked. But it's easier to say that in hindsight. In hindsight, I think the loss of Cameron Murray, they lost a bit of agility through the middle, Cam Murray. And I think when you've got Talakai and stuff, some of these players were caught out. Well, Talakai and Crichton are not origin players. Well, some of them, they're trying too hard. Well, you know, they want to put be, on the big be, hit. But, but it didn't work. Right, it didn't work. Here's the thing for me, the difference of the game was Queensland gutted it out and really defended strongly. I thought the Blues had a very set game plan and they didn't waver from that the whole game. You could even see that when you could feel the momentum had shifted and Queensland was really going to finish over the top. They still played the same style and Queensland were just rushing in, smacking their playmakers on the fringe. I thought that New South Wales played a very, I would say, conservative game plan, almost like the Panthers were in the semis last year. Play your sets, try and dominate the field position, play off that, but they didn't throw anything different at the defence, and I thought Queensland handled it really well. Whereas I thought Queensland played a far more um, attacking style of football, and I was offloading all the time and throwing around the corner passes, and they kind of tried to attack New South Wales on the fringe, and that made the difference. They had enough inroads to score points in a tight game, and I think that. And then New South Wales didn't change your game plan, man. It wasn't working. Well, they didn't have the, this. Is okay. That's a good point. I wanted to mention this as well. I wanted to mention this. I think Nathan Cleary is a good halfback when when he's got the moment, when he's got the space, right? The forwards are going forward, etc., etc. I thought they played very Panthers-like, and it wasn't working, and they didn't change. But they're good with the momentum. They just couldn't shift the momentum. They couldn't do something different. Like Ben Hunt had a 40-20 in the second half. I just I just think Adam Reynolds might have been. Have we heaped too much onto Nathan Cleary too soon? Not really. And where was Jerome Luai? Where was Jerome Luai? Like, you got him in the game. Jerome Luai is good on his feet. He's an attacking footy player, and he kind of just played a role where he played a spot. And strangely for a Brad Fittler side, they didn't use that, and I do think they missed the speed about O'Carr on the wing. Shall we move on to round 18? Because you, you, you gave me nothing for State of Origin. All right, first up... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, fucking Queensland, unbeatable in Suncorp almost. Like, my God. And Ben Hunt, he was like fucking Michael Jordan in that game. Oh, he's, he played he played unbelievable. Anyway, anyway, let's move on to round 18. First up, it was the Cowboys versus the Sharks. The Cowboys were missing their origin yeah. players. The Sharks never trailed and were up 14-12 at halftime after a late hammer try in the first half. Yes. Um, even though Blake Braley was sin-binned, right? So... Good job by the Sharks. The Cowboys in the second half were in it, but defensively they let in some poor tries off kicks and poor inside shoulder defence. And two second half tries was enough for for, for the Sharks, really. Um, the controversial moment in this game, the the game hinged on the um, Jason Tomalolo disallowed try, so for obstruction. So I don't yeah, know where I you stand on that one. 
but the Sharks ran out 26 to 12. I think it was an obstruction. Absolute letter of the law, technically, yes. No, it's just letter of the law. No, 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 not just letter of the law. So that's an obstruction in any interpretation of the law because he was in an offside position. I thought it was a bit of a harsh call. Because he was in front of the ball. He was supporting, though. Yeah, I know, but he was trying to support the player and he overran him. Sure. Yeah, but if someone's trying to make a tackle and you're in front of the ball, it's not gridiron. Well, that's the other thing. You could say that he was in the position where he, you know, he obstructed someone from trying to make a last-second tackle. And I think that's where some of this judgment stuff, like he probably would have scored anyway, but the rule's the rule. Well, I mean, the commentators the commentators are really divided on it. I thought it was an obstruction. They are very uh, divided on it. Yeah, and I thought it was, but some of them are in your camp where it wasn't. Yeah, and I, I think that we're similar, whereas I sometimes go, well, he wouldn't have got him anyway. But you're like, if the rule says if you're there, you're obstructing someone from making tackles. An obstruction so it's you're right and but then i kind of think well if i wasn't going to get there well what does it matter so but you know I, I don't think the game turned on that i thought the cowboys were going hit for hit but i thought the sharks just played better to be honest for most of the well, game i mean they anyway. had so many the origin players out they had so many origin players out i thought the cowboys were actually gallant to actually make it quite a close game I but thought it wasn't they'd their beaten. attack i don't think it was the cowboys attack they, defensively they let in some they'll sort of tries Absolutely. yeah they let in some soft tries some of the jesse the jesse ramian tries were quite soft cutting back yeah. on the inside like you say on the fringe and stuff and i thought that a couple of those tries were a little bit too easy and ronaldo mulitalo like always had a great game and tell you know tell um katoa Went straight through soft defence and ran, you know, 80 metres out of a scrum and, and scored a try. So, so they did give away some soft tries, but I always felt like the Sharks played the better football. They came from deeper. They played ex- an expansive game. I thought Connor Tracy helped. Once he adjusted in the centres, I thought the Cowboys, other than the first try, felt struggled to get around him. He adjusted and they gave him a bit of speed on the fringe. In fact, I think they looked better with Connor Tracy outside of Tal- Talakai and have Talakai more inside, right? The defence becomes quicker. The Cowboys got tired, and then there was just big gaps in the middle of the field that the Sharks were taking advantage of. I thought the Sharks played pretty well. The Cowboys did well to continuously fight back and keep themselves in the game. I think the Sharks are now, Sharks and Broncos are well ahead of the Eels now with six, seven weeks to go. I think the Sharks are looking, they're starting to come good again. Yeah, I think think the Sharks, the Cowboys, and the Broncos are all ahead of the Eels at the moment. Yeah, so... So, all right, the next game, speaking of the Eels, was the Eels versus the Warriors. Um, so we gave, we gave the Warriors a homecoming and then sent them straight back to Bangkok. Oh, we did, yes. Was, welcome back. It, welcome back. I love love PBL. <laughs> it, it was the Eels' first back-to-back win in three months, and they dominated this game. Um, they only led 10-6 at halftime, but had all the territory and field position. They just couldn't score. And then the second half, the floodgates opened. Um, they put their the foot on the accelerator for the first 20-25 minutes, scoring three unanswered tries to lead 28-6 to before the Warriors ran in two late tries to make the score a little better for them. Um, it was it was a scrappy game at times too. It wasn't a free-flowing game. No, no, I don't um, think but so. It was my, it was Mike Acevo's best game since he came back from injury. And the, yes. And, and, and really, the Eels got up 28-18, to but it's a game they at home that they really probably expected to win. Look, I think that's probably what came out of this for the Eels. They, they had spurts of playing some pretty good football. Uh, but Mike Acevo looked like old Mike Acevo. He had probably his best game for quite a while. I think the Eels played with good depth at the beginning, and especially to get Sevo and, you know, Wanga Blake the ball with a little bit of room to move, and I thought that they torched the Warriors. Well, and, and a couple of those runs came off, intercepts and loose balls and those types of but things. But good backing right? up, right? Almost, almost counter-attacking. Counter-attack, yeah. I mean, look, the intercept Sevo took, I thought, yeah, he got run down, but it was awesome to see Wanga Blake chase 
all that way to be there ready for his support and, and to streak away and score the try. So I thought that was quite good. And I thought Para, you know, they did play some good attacking football. Like some when they played good football, it was really good. But it was and it was too easy and that put them ahead twenty eight six. And I thought the Warriors, when they had possession, made their executions very slow. Well, I mean I mean Reese Walsh has been dropped for this week. Um and, and, and there's a reason for that because actually his head's not in the game anymore since he signed with Broncos. Their attack's kind of pedestrian. Like even players like Sean Johnson, Chanel Harris, Tavita, it looks very mechanical at the moment. I mean, they've got to change a change of mid-year coach. So I think they struggled to really test the Eels. But, you know, a game they had to win and they won it. I thought they looked okay, but scrappy at times. Scrappy. Yeah. I, I just, it didn't, I, you know, and I shouldn't have picked them this week because, but just my loyalty to my team, you know, that's something you don't have. But of course not. They, I didn't think they looked that good. I really didn't. I disagree. They, they're not. They're winning these games, but they don't look fluid. Okay, yeah. So I'm looking at the fluid in bursts, I and mean, if you think about it, they're the Warriors as well. They haven't been playing that well, so you correct, kind of so you take it with a grain of salt, correct. right? Like if we were playing well, we should have put forty or fifty on the Warriors. I think so. I think so because some of those tries were quite easy when they put it together. So, but not eighty minutes. Yeah, I just think I just think the Eels are—they've gone backwards since last year. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. But you also have the team that has the potential to raise their game in the semis and play amazing football. They're a weird side. Well, they got they got the pant they they got um uh the Eels have got the Broncos this week, which they lost. But yeah, the, by the time this gets out, but um you know yeah, I just think I just think they're missing. They were terrible against the Broncos last night. We will cover that next week though. So anyway. Let's move on to the next game, which yeah. was a defensive masterclass. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, just, just the defence played by both sides was bone yes. jarring and 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 rattling and just, just <laughs> oh, what what a performance! I mean, I think this game only had thirteen tries, <laughs> including seven by the Roosters in the second the half. Second half, um, they just took I think, off. I think I'm right in saying that the the the. Dragons actually led at halftime, didn't they? They did. I thought Ben Hunt was fantastic in the first half, and the Dragons were really good. Yes. They led 14-12 at halftime. It ended up being Roosters 54-26. to It was at the Central Coast. Um, Joey Manu in the number six. They got to get him closer to the ball. What a player. And that try, that try where he was pretending to be injured as well. Yeah, Brilliant was gonna... shithousery. Mate, that was Brilliant shithousery. It was brilliant. I think that's one of the first times I've seen that. It's probably happened before, but no, 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 no. Remember, Greg Florimo did it. Remember in the early nineties. That's 90s. right. Yes, not, not yes, injury, not injured. Yes. But he, but he said to the players, "Oh, it's gone dead in goal," and they went back to the twenty meter line and ran away. Yeah, and scored. Yeah, that's right. There's that shithousery, but I think that one because it also resulted in a try it was pretty good. But I think moving Manu to the six help them because he gets his hands on the ball and he makes stuff happen. The first try they set up to put Radley over in the beginning, he just got his hands on the ball and went through the middle and then supported, shrugged off tackles and then put Victor over under the post. And then he also did a couple of the Joey Manu hog plays where, you know, the whole back line spread out and he gets the ball and charges at seven guys. But it worked twice. I mean, I, I, I just think Joey Manu was the difference between these two teams. Satili Tupanu were also... Um, it looks like he had a serious injury as he well. He did. They're um, gonna miss him. I mean, I mean, they did get back to twenty all. Like it was like at one point, I, I this game was breathless. I was watching this because I went to the Wallabies game, so I was watching yeah. this at the Fox Studios complex. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it was just a breathless game, right? Like I thought, I looked up at one point. It was thirty-two to twenty, and I go, I must be near the end. And there was still like twenty-seven. Yeah, minutes to it play. was back like, and forth. 
Um, Hunt, 40-20s, great play. You know, he, he I think, led the Dragons to, well, to the Well, he's playing unbelievable. He's yeah. playing unbelievable. Without him, I think he'll win the Dally M because there's no there's no one else from the Dragons taking points off him. That is a possibility, and I can't say there's anybody else who's absolutely been dominant in every game. Um, but honestly, mate, like I thought the Aaron Woods Simbini was a bit harsh on the Dragons. Yeah, it, I, I think that's right. Like, it was very soft. Like, I get it. I don't... I get the professional foul part, but not quite. Again, another fantastic try to Suwali, um, soaring high. He's a real weapon. Dragons hit back after that, right? Like, it was a funny game. It was a funny game. Like, it was... This game was closer. This game was close for 60 minutes and then... Or 55 minutes and then just the last 25 minutes, the Roosters... The Roosters killed bang, them. And Joey yeah. Manu, just... The, the two standout players on the field for me... Well, the three were Joey Manu, Ben Hunt and James Tedesco in that order. It is. I thought Angus Crichton had his moments as well. I think Angus Crichton's been playing well. The problem with Angus Crichton is he is prone to make an error, drop ball, miss tackle, something, and it just leads to a try. Like it has big consequences. It's one consequences, of those people. You know? yeah. what you mean. Other people make mistakes. Nothing happens. Whatever he does, nothing happens. Scores. He yeah. makes a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Oh. and it's just yeah. He's just one of those guys. We ended up flogging them. I think it was good for the Roosters' confidence with the ball in hand, um, and having Manu more involved and. You know, the Dragons kind of fell away and sort of fell apart. But they weren't bad for a lot of the game. But when they let go, like it just sort of – it's almost like they just ran out of – I wouldn't say puff, but they just, you know, couldn't go in. It was something. Yeah, yeah, they just couldn't go. Well, and all the momentum was just the Roosters. Absolutely. Um, But good. 54 points. It is fucking terrible, this weather. Um, but a big win for the Roosters, and I think good for them, big but big for loss for with Cetilia. Yeah, that's right. So, all right, let's move on to yeah. the next game of Shitty Saturday, which was another defensive blockbuster it by was. the Knights. absolutely. <laughs> manly, manly uh, 42 to 12 in front of nearly 16,000 people at Four Pines. There was more than 9,000 that I predicted, so that's not bad. Go Manly fans. So seven tries to two. They they were never they were never headed right. The Manly were always winning this. They just they just killed them. I mean, Daily Cherry Evans though, backing up after Origin. Ah, these are on my notes. Cherry Evans. I know we talk about his kicking game, but mate, three his, try assists. Yeah, his kicking game. And Five tackles. His, but his kicking game's been amazing all season. I've mentioned it almost every week, right? It really he really stood out in this game too. Yes. Him and Ruben Garrick combined brilliantly in this game. They really, yes. they were really superb. You look at Manly, they're one of the better teams. But when you look at the latter, it's almost like I think they're going to start to get a little bit of a roll on. That's what I thought. But they played a lot better than their latter position. But I think they've had a lot of chopping and change. I think Garrick is starting to again become aggressive at fullback. He takes his time to find his feet. I thought he had a great game and interjected himself at fantastic times. Cherry Evans was superb. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This cooler, some of his footwork and his acceleration and speed is brilliant. I mean, he basically set up the Olokokatu try. I mean, Olokokatu still had to run over six guys, but that's kind of standard. He's like the better version of Dave Fafita. Um, yeah, and Oluwakatu is brilliant, man. Well, he's another one. You know, we talked about origin selections. Yeah, well, he wanted to play for was it Tonga, right? Yeah, but I mean, oh, this is where the eligibility rules are ridiculous. Uh, right? They should he, change. He grew up in New South Wales. Wants to play he can for play New there. South Wales. That's it. Let him play for fucking New South Wales. Whether he picks Australia, Tonga, Samoa, whatever, right? And the Knights, you know, a couple of, they they sort of hung in in the first half. A great try to Ponga, who sort of asserted himself, and Adam Kuhn as well. But then once. Gee, I reckon a lot of these teams that fade in the second half, it's it's their fitness. It has to be because the Knights got 
blown apart after that. And but Manly looked quite dangerous. I thought it was a really good performance. Well, and you got to, the Knights are just not a good side. They're just not a good side. But Manly were um were good. I, I think if they can you know hit their stride in the last six weeks, T before the semis. I mean they're not last year's Manly, but I don't know if I'd want to play them. Because Cooler would be better. They're quicker. Saab's Who are back. they going to beat? Who are they going to beat? Are they are they better than the Cowboys? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. But the thing is, they also... Are they better much... than the Panthers? Are no, no. The, the Panthers, Panthers are on their own, right? But the Cowboys, they... Melbourne, torch... maybe. Melbourne, maybe. Melbourne's really fallen Melbourne's off struggling. a cliff. Yeah, really so I don't fallen know. off a cliff. But I don't know if I'd want to play them with a full-strength side. They've got, they've got a little bit of strike power. They do. They do. All right. Let's move on to a game that I didn't watch that you did. Oh, um, well, I watched it on replay. Well, I was at the Wallabies game, so I was yeah. watching Wallabies England. It was played at Gold Coast at Rabina in front of tw- nearly 20,000 fans, though. Good good turnout for a Queensland derby. It was a good, tr- good, good turnout. And listen, the Titans tried hard. You know, And you know how they you know how they stayed in this game? They made this uh, dirty game. What I mean by that is... <laughs> What I mean by that is they tried to play the slow the play of the ball down, lots of stoppages. Why you know, not? Like, like, Why not? Yeah, like try and almost Jose Mourinho style football, right? Try and bring the Broncos back to them. Counter their lack of fitness. It did work. Yes. For the first half, it worked, and they were the better side in the first half till right at the death when the Broncos scored through through Hota. Um, yes. And then in the second half, just just the Broncos were the better side. And they gutsed it out, the Broncos. But yeah, it was it was a closer game than I thought. I thought the Broncos would have blown them away. Actually, I I did as well. I thought it was going to be an easy win. The Broncos did have players out, but they've got Reynolds and they've still got a fair fair few other players. I thought the Titans defensively by slowing the game down were a little bit better. They played quite well. I think moving Aaron Clark out of dummy half and putting a proper dummy half there made a difference to their side. It made them Eeps. more mobile. They needed that before the start of the season. We said that about the hooker position, right? It made them more and, mobile. And they did lead this. They led this 12-10 with like 20 minutes to go, right? Tanner Boyd gave to 5-8, gave him a little bit of speed, and then gave Brimson a bit more room to move at fullback as well. And Adam Reynolds was superb for the Adam Broncos. Reynolds was fantastic. Well, And they did have that try disallowed right at the end. That could have sent it to overtime or even won it, right? Philip Sami dropped the ball over the line. He probably should have scored that one, and... Probably one that the Titans could have snatched, but the Broncos hung on and sort of just beat them at, at the end. I just want to say, I want to call out a couple of people, right, that that, that played a yep. really, really good game. Okay, so there's a few things. Adam yep. Reynolds scored 2,000 premiership points in this game, his 2,000th premiership point. Only the eighth player since 1908 to do it. So yeah. great result. Tino backing up, what, three days after Origin? Yeah. Ran for machine. 146 metres in did. 52 minutes. Yeah, of course he did. Uh, Aaron Clark made a big difference at hooker. He ran for 157 metres. Was that locked um, this week? Um, well, yeah, yeah, sorry, from lock. He made, he, yeah, but moving him made a big difference. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So better roll for him. Better roll for him. Yeah. So, and he only had a 52 minute, he only had a 52 minute stint as well. And Broncos second rower, Zach Hosking, ran 129 metres. Oh, yeah, he had a good game. Allowed, right? He had a good game. And AJ Brimson, sorry, I did want to mention a few, few people. Um, AJ Brimson ran for 250 metres and yes. two line breaks. I don't know when the last time he did that. I don't know. He's He hasn't been his dynamic self this year. He's had injuries and stuff. But I think this game, he, he, there was real signs that he might be back. And T- Tessie knew. It was another one who had a great game yeah, for the Broncos. Yeah, he was settling. They did make a lot of errors, though, the, the Broncos. And that, that kind of kept... The, it was a stop-start game, right? The Titans in the game. Yeah, um, they missed, and and the Broncos did miss fifty seven tackles in this game. Well, well then you know they what, missed fifty. That... But what? Why I'm raising that? 
The Broncos missed 57 tackles and the Titans could only score two I know. Tries. If that, I was going to say, if that was last year, the Titans would run up 40-something on them. Interesting. Really interesting. All right. Last year, they would have scored seven, eight tries with that, that many missed tackles. But yeah, good win for Brisbane. They keep on stumbling over the line. So They do. They do. Let's move on to yes. what was actually three The Battle of the Cats. Games. Battle, the battle the, of the three cats. great games. Yes. Now the Panthers rested every everyone who's ever played first grade in the last forty years. John in this game. was on the bench. Yeah, I mean, like, like holy Colin crap. Vanderbilt. Like, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Brad Izzard came out of Brad retirement Izzard, yeah. for, the, for the for the Panthers. Brad, we need you back. But can I say, and and the Tigers moved Duahi to. 5-8 for this game, right? Had a good game. I say, they, they should have got up. They, they should have won the game. The Panthers the won 18-16. Yes. The, the Panthers won 18-16, but only through a James Fisher-Harris try right at the end. Yes. And really, they were never, like, I thought they were the better side for a big part of this game. And can I also say, I think Adam Dwayne was the best player on the field. I thought Adam Dwayne, I was surprised at his movement, the way he moved after he was a back, very right? serious injury, right? Like, to be quite honest, um... He moved fluidly, and I thought he had a great game. I think the combo with Luke Brooks worked. I think having Jackson Hastings at lock also worked because it gave them. Well, that three. no, I don't. You don't. I don't. Interesting. No, no. I think I think he played like a third half. Maybe that's why I thought it worked. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He played like a third half. I don't think he played like a lock. If you know what I mean. I sort of felt like it gave him an extra playmaker, but now it works for the Tigers. It works for the Tigers because they don't yeah. have a hooker. Well, that's that is very true. Yes. I'm like you. I thought the Tigers played pretty well. They had some of the young guns, Kapawa and Tupio, um, score in the corner with some really good football against the Panthers' wingers and centers. And then the Panthers scored a great try to Targo. Made magic hands by kickout, like far out, like just skill coming at the from depth and then putting him away. And he's got some speed, Targo. You rarely see him outright in the clear, but he he has a lot of pace and. I don't know. Then Adam Dwayne, he sort of took over the game a little bit, I think. And he was fantastic. I thought they should have won it. Now, if the Panthers played their full-strength team and didn't have Origin, they would have killed the Tigers. Yeah, of course. But, but, but playing the reserve team really brought them back to the field. Um, the, the other thing is Brett Kamali came out after the game and said the Panthers disrespected us. Uh, no shit. Well, hello. You're coming last pretty much. Like, you know what? They probably and you've been did playing a like bit. shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, like. But I thought at the end, the Tigers, the fifth tackle, and Joe Offa-Wahengawi on the line sometimes can get caught out a lot, Big Joe. He used to yes. do this at Brisbane, and he does it at the Tigers. They're just slow to come across, and James Fisher-Harris, he shouldn't have scored that try on the fifth tackle. They fell asleep and gave the game away. And under the post, Penrith kicked the goal. I think it was James Fisher-Harris' 150th game too. And, he, and he, really, he really led from the front, right? He really led from the right front. 164 metres, 86 post-contact metres, three tackle blasts, one line break, two offloads and 38 tackles. Great player. And you know what? T backing up there on the fifth tackle right at the end of the game to put himself in position to run over and beat a got defender him, got and him, score got a Got him over the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, was the, he was the Panthers' best. He was the difference between the two sides, actually. If, ja- if, if James Fisher-Harris was playing for the Tigers, the Tigers would have won this comfortably. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. I agree. Um, it's just, yeah, you kind of felt for the Tigers, but, mate, they fell asleep for that little spit second. I'm going to say this about the Bulldogs as well. Some some of this at the end of this game was that, that it's been so long since they've won. They just don't know how to get to the... I think some. Of, I think there's an element of truth to that. Yes, I do. They're kind of ahead. They probably don't, you know, lose their mind a little bit. Yeah, or they try yeah, to conserve yeah, you know it instead I mean? of just 
keep on playing a little bit or, or kicking to the corners. You know what I mean? Like, like, like there's a way to manage. It was what Cam Smith always did so well for the Storm. That, that's the thing, right? They don't have that composure and experience. But I thought it was a good game and good win. Good, good win for the Panthers. They got away with one. But Tigers, you know what? As a fan, that's what you want to see. They, they nearly knocked off the Panthers, even with players out. I agree. All right, so um, let's move on to another yeah. good game. This was a good game. Down in Melbourne. Canberra have got an exceptionally good record against the Storm in Melbourne. It's a weird one, right? I was going to tip. I was thinking of tipping the Raiders after our discussion, and I thought, you know what, I'll give the Storm the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's what I did as well, and it wasn't a right tip. No, so, it was not. No, so the Raiders won this 20-16. to 16. The Raiders were the better side. Yeah, the storm started off fast, but I thought Puppy was impactful, but all over the place. He was impactful in a very positive and a very negative way whilst he was on there. And by that I mean Munster and Puppy off the first six, first set of six, he went through and they busted the lineup so easily. And then all of a sudden throws a five meter forward pass to Chris. I don't even know how Nick Meany caught that ball because it was so far forward. <laughs> it right? was forward. It was. It, it was, was so forward. forward. And one of the commentators was like, oh, I don't know about that. And then you look at the replay. And, and they like, showed the replay. Yeah, it was like it was like a quarterback pass. Yeah, can you get any more forward? And then he also, when they had a three-man overlap, after Nick Meany scored, you thought, okay, the Storm is starting to top. And then they still kept on coming. Yeah, they, they came out. They came they out. They were on the fire, right? I thought they were going to put a score. Yeah, and then it just fell off a cliff. Yeah, and then he got hit with a three-man overlap and threw the ball blindly to the only camera guy that was there, That's Sebastian right. Chris. That's right. And I think once that happened, it just shifted. The momentum shifted it, it, early in the game after 10 minutes. But, gee, gee, I reckon Canberra won this in the last half hour, like the 30 minutes just before halftime, just before halftime, the last 30 minutes of the half, right? So I thought Melbourne killed them for 10 minutes. Yes, so absolutely. got the try. Yes. Against the run of play. Totally, totally. It was very one-sided yeah. into it. And then Canberra dominated the rest of the half, went into halftime 14-6, could have been up by more, actually, at halftime. They left a couple of tries out there. They did. And then, once again, their intensity dropped in the second half. Now, one try was enough for them to get over the line. They got to 20 points, and then their defence was really good. And really, the Storm's attack, particularly with the Pappenheisen injury. I think Tyron Wisher is... I think he's a borderline first grader, and the Storm are asking a lot from him. He's in positions where he needs pace. Yeah. He doesn't have pace. And it's blunted their attack. But they lost. They, they still. The Raiders still lost the second half, ten six. Right. I just want to keep saying this. They constantly lose the second half, but they defended their way. And the storm. But it wasn't them. They're just their defense. The storm attack was not very good in the second half. That Pappy injury really hurt them. It hurt them. They had to readjust. I thought the Hughes try was brilliant footy from Munster and Hughes to see a gap there and just chip it over the top. Very instinctive in playing what you see. And then Harry Grant went And then over. Harry Grant went over. And I honestly thought, okay, now the Storm are going to... Well, at that point, the Storm are in front. The Storm are in front at that point. Normally, the Storm finish it off from there, right? Yeah. And then James Schiller scored a, a brilliant individual try, really. And then they held out the Raiders. They, they did a great job. And that job. was the game, really. That's exactly yeah. what happened. And we also had the standard Jordan Rappiner brain. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. I mean, he's a lunatic. He's just every <laughs> week he's doing something. Like... Get, yeah, it's great. Suspension. You know who he moves. reminds me of? He reminds me of Baldy's brother. Oh, he is. He's a yeah. great player. Great player, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so why I raise that is both teams' attack was down rather than the Definitely. defenses being Definitely. outstanding, right? Their execution was poor, wrong options. Uh, some good defense, but, but actually... 
the Raiders deserved to win this, but it was a very unstorm-like last 20 minutes. It was. I agree. And then they nearly stole the game at the end with Hughes coming over and Savage coming across. That's and, right. Um, That's right. You know, knocking the ball out. And it would have been an undeserved victory, I think. The, the storm looked good in patches. Jerome Hughes but... went down thinking he was going to get the penalty yeah. try, right? <laughs> yeah, and he, he wasn't didn't. anywhere near his head. No. There's nowhere near it. So. Just but dodgy, it was... dodgy. Hey, Jerome, Jerome, there's a lot of cameras. There's a lot of cameras, mate. You know, they're playing like it's 1986, you know, when you go down. There's yeah. 45 cameras watching everything. It's like if your hair nostrils out of place, it's like, well, I don't know, that kind of knocked on. It touched his nose. I can see everything. That's right. That's but right. All right. Camera. Good stuff. Let's get on to the last game yes. of the round. And uh, the Bulldogs are certainly playing a lot more attractive footy. They did end up losing this one, 36-28. There was no defence at all played with 12 tries. Neither team wanted to tackle. Souths were up 16-10 at halftime. Yes. But South scored in the first few minutes and the last five minutes of the half, and everything in between was the Bulldogs. I think our lack of fitness caught up to us in the back of the yeah, Well, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Then in the second half... You guys were leading 28-22 with 10 minutes to go. Now, again, if you had a team that's used to winning, you kind of should have won it at that point, right? You're up by six points with 10 minutes to go. Well, yeah, and the thing is it goes back to what you said, T, right? Like if their fitness isn't at a level, and let's, let's be honest, the Dogs are not. They're one of those teams. Yeah, like yeah, you I said, if that. they've got the smarts and they know they've got a few players that know how to win, they would have probably slowed the game down well, to you don't get have their breath a half back, back and stuff. That's the problem for both you and the Tigers – you don't have a form halfback, right? So that's a problem. And you don't have the experience of a Cam Smith at hooker and those no. like you just you're just missing a few pieces there. But it's not it wasn't just the the fitness, it was also the experience. Like if you were a tough if you were Canberra and you're like do you know what I mean? The way you guys play is different to the way Canberra plays. You could have toughed it out in the last ten minutes, but I just think the I fitness think so. the fitness just let you down and, and you don't have the experience. And Souths ran in th- three tries in the last ten minutes. Basically pushed out the score because you could see they the dogs in my opinion the bulldogs had nothing left by that stage so it done well I mean it was an entertaining game what I will say is Latrell Mitchell returned and was absolutely bloody brilliant he, he was torched poor Matt Burton and went after him like it was almost like a personal personal, personal yeah, that's what he does right apparently he said to him during the game that's my number three jersey you've got. Oh, he would have. Absolutely. He absolutely would have said to yeah, him. He absolutely. About the origin team. Latrell, I think, needs that stuff to fire himself up. And he, yeah, he plays in an aggressive right. manner. And his try, whilst it was pretty good, the defence was fucking horrendous because they couldn't close the gaps. <laughs> there were missed tackles. Like, it, it's not like he did anything amazing. It looked amazing. But if you look at the defence, it was dreadful. And then the next try, same thing to what? Totola, and then John, AJ scored a couple at the end when they were done. But, look, good signs. I look at that game and I think, you know, with a bit more experience, like we say, the Bulldogs could have won. And we probably scored the two tries of the match through Avarillo and Paul Vaughan. Both of those tries were brilliant to watch. Great. They thing. were. They were great tries. It's good It's good that Paul Vaughan finally did something. In all honesty, out of all the players, Paul Vaughan's actually played solidly this year. His attitude's been right. He's he's turned up. He's had a dig. He's had a good go. As I thought Saints, it's almost like that stuff brought him back down to earth a little bit. And I think this year he's actually been one of our better players. He hasn't been outstanding, but he's been one of the better ones. Um, but the last two tries, for, as a Bulldogs fan, they were magic, magic footy. Magic footy. And it's good to see Latrell moving. The funny thing is he's still carrying all this weight and he's moving like that. 
if he drops a little bit more, mate, you know, I think he still needs to, but he's coming good for South, which is good to see. All right. Shall we do the round 19? Absolutely. Preview. Yes. And then we can end this pod and we're back on track. Yes. All right. First up, it was, now we know the result, it was the Eels versus the Broncos. Now, the Broncos were $2.45 outsiders and had, I think, four points start at the beginning of this game. Um, the Eels were the favourites. It was a bank west. Um, I was nervous about this game. I did tip the Eels, but um, only because I thought actually the Warriors win might give them confidence, but they were, they were pathetic. It was a poor loss, and to turn up after that, after the Warriors win and turn up like that, and with your run to the end of the season coming now, and really a top four spot up for grabs, I no, think no, it's really gone. Important. We can't, we can't make it. We can't make it. I, I would have tipped the Eels to win, um, and I would have been wrong because I would have expected them to turn up at this game at home, a big game against the Broncos, a game that counts positioning wise for the semis. And mate, they laid, as I say, they laid an egg. I don't know. It was not a good performance. No good. Not good at all. Not a good no sign. Good. Not a good sign. So next up was the Dragons versus the Sea Eagles. Um, well, I Manly. I didn't. I tipped the Dragons. Very good. Very no, good. no, no. I tipped Manly. No, I tipped Manly. Sorry. Yep. Yeah, I tipped Manly. And, and we were both wrong. Well, yeah. I, I, look, I thought Manly, despite losing the odd game, has shown flashes of brilliant footy in all of them. And they've had a couple of switch-offs that's almost cost them. But they've been really I good. I just think Manly away from home aren't great. I think that's what we discounted, yeah. I, I You know, good win to the Dragons, I guess. You know, I mean, but I... I and we'll review this game next week, but I... Honestly, thought Mandy would beat them. I thought Mandy would be a little bit too good, and it's important win for the Dragons in terms of semi positioning as well. It keeps them in the eight, and Ben Hunt again. Um, but poor performance by Mandy. I think they were they're on a bit of a run playing good footy, and then sort of didn't like you say away from home. They just didn't really play that well. But how about the attendance? I know the rain was terrible. Seven thousand. Seven thousand. I mean, and you know no what? Good. The Dragons have had some really poor, poor crowds. I agree with that. All right, next up, it was the Knights versus the Roosters. Um, I think we all tipped the Roosters yeah, for yeah, this absolutely. one. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just the Knights, are, the Knights are done for the year, right? And the Roosters are, I think, starting to come into a little bit of form. Yeah, and Joey, Joey, Joey Manu's out, which I thought would have made the game closer, but in the end, uh, I think the Roosters just killed them. Too good. Last week would have... I, I thought the last week the Roosters would have been helped by scoring a lot of points. And I think, um, you know, I expected them to carry it on in this game and I'll tip the Roosters as well. All right. So let's move on to Super Saturday. First up, it's the Raiders versus the Warriors at GIO Stadium. Um, the Raiders are $1.26 favourites and the Warriors are $3.90 outsiders. The Warriors have won two of the past three against the Raiders and three of the past again, four, three of the past four against the Raiders at this ground. So I tipped the Raiders... Um, just because I think the Warriors don't, you know, I think they're a bit over the travel and they're a bit bit over things at the moment. Um, what do you think about this one? I'm going to tip the Raiders. I think the Warriors have been playing really poorly. Um, so I'm going to tip um, the, Warri- the Raiders to win. I don't think the Warriors have been playing good at all. And Canberra hasn't been playing too badly. Well, that's right. So um, next up, it's a cracking game, which is the Panthers versus the Sharks. The Panthers are $1.20 favourites. Sharks are $4.50 outsiders. It is played at Blue Bet Stadium out at Penrith at 4.30. Penrith do have all their origin stars back. Um, yep. All 27 of them are back for this game. They are starting um, the heavy favourites. Um, and they are playing well, the Sharks. So this will be a great game. 
Um, but I, I have actually tipped uh, the Panthers for Look, this one. I'm tipping the Panthers. I think at full strength, they're almost unbeatable. I think this is a good test for the Sharks. The weather's probably going to even up the game a little bit. Um, but I think it's a good good test a few weeks out from the semis for the Sharks to see how they can challenge the Panthers or how they stack up. And I think it's a game they can learn from. They're both pretty much at full strength, and I think it's a, it's a good game for the Sharks to have at this point in time because they can adjust if they lose or if they're, you know, things that work and what didn't work against Penrith at full strength. But Penrith, I think, will win. All right. Next up, last game on Shitty Saturday. Actually, really good. we got a couple of really good games here. Yeah. Souths versus Melbourne. Um, it's at Acor Stadium at 7.30. Do you want to go to the game, G? Uh, no, I can't today, actually, unfortunately. Oh, you're, so, you're, yeah. you're at Belmore Car Park? Dated yes, Belmore, Belmore Car, Car Park. Park, of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, for long-time listeners, they'll know G does yep. his best work at Belmore Car Park. Yes. The Storm are actually $1.80 favourites, and only just, though, Souths are $2 outsiders. Now, Souths have not beaten... The Storm have won their past seven matches against the Rabbitohs. Yep. And they've won 13 of their past 14 games against the Rabbitohs. Rabbitohs haven't won. They've won just once since round 10, 2014. Yeah, they've had their measure. The weird thing is... They've had their I'm, measure. And guess what? I'm tipping South. I'm tipped, I've tipped South as well. Because I just think the Storm... There's too much... They could be done. They could be done, the Storm. They haven't missed that many players, but there's always some injury they've got to adjust with. And I just think they're lacking fluidity. And you saw that against Canberra at times. Usually they're fluid for an 80 minutes, whereas at times now they're fluid for a 10-minute period and then things don't work quite well. So I think Souths, I think Souths will beat them. So I've tipped Souths. I've tipped Souths as well. So we'll see We'll see what happens, but that'll be an absolute cracker. Next up, it's the Bulldogs versus the Gold Coast on yep. Sunday at 2 o'clock. Um, the Bulldogs are a dollar sixty favourites. How many games have you started favourites this year? I think this is the first one, so I'm I'm actually tipping the Bulldogs. And, I can't and believe the Titans it. are two dollars. Titans are two dollars thirty five outsiders. I'm also tipping the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm tipping the Bulldogs. I think they'll beat the Titans. I think the I Titans can't believe I'm going to say this yes. about the Bulldogs, but I think you've got too much points in it for points in you for them. I do think we'll miss um, Avarillo at fullback. We've got Declan Casey who's there at fullback, so it'll be interesting to see how he goes at the back. And the t- Titans have four and a half points start. It's not. I don't even think it's going to be close, and I don't think it'll be enough. I think I think they'll win, and I think because defensively, I think we might be able to hold them out. But the Titans did have better signs last week, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. But but I'm tipping the dogs. And last but not least, it's the Cowboys versus the Tigers up in Townsville. Cowboys are heavy favourites, $1.10 favourites. They've got their origin players back. Tigers are $7 outsiders. And they and Tigers are 20 and a half points start. I'm tipping, yeah, I'm tipping the Cowboys. North Queensland. I think North Queensland easily. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That brings us to the close of another G&T show for another week. Thank you once again for joining us. G, stay warm, put some clothes on, and we will speak to you next week. I will. I'll go shopping now and get a blanket. I will talk to you next week. See See ya. Bye.